Welcome to the Ross Republic podcast. My name is Adrian. I'm partner at Ross Republic. Today we're going to talk about a really exciting topic, which is how large corporates can enter the embedded finance game. And I'm really happy that we're joined by Michael Zieber, the CEO of Metro Financial Services. Thanks for joining, Michael. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, also doing really well. It's uh, Friday afternoon today. So um, yeah, happy to have you here. And I would also like to quickly introduce yourself personally first. Um, as I mentioned, CEO of Metro Financial Services. Um, I've seen that you also worked in M&A before and infrastructure investing. And I would be really curious also to hear in your own words what led you to jump to the corporate world with, uh, let's say, transformation or innovation role for a large corporate like Metro. Um, if you would just really quickly explain in your own words uh, what you've been doing so far and what excited you about that opportunity. Um, yeah, that's correct. So I've started my career in the financial services industry. So um, by launching Metro Financial Services, uh, I'm going or I'm returning a little bit back to my roots. Um, previously, um, I was pretty much um, involved as an advisor or investor in um, creating strategies for our customers or management boards, um, but I was not that much um, involved or not so strongly involved in execution. Um, and that was what really interested me about Metro um, to have um, the opportunity to do both. Um, creating a strategy, but also um, executing it, um, which I find always very rewarding to bring your own idea to life. Yeah, no, I fully understand that. Uh, yeah, totally, because uh, often you're just leaving when uh, nice concepts are created and uh, you deliver a nice PowerPoint presentation exactly. and you say goodbye and um, are not really there to uh, yeah, bring it to life. I fully understand that. Um, and for the listeners that don't know Metro, because I think Anyone who maybe was part of some hospitality business might know that company for sure. Um, for the rest, uh, it's a really large corporate leading international food wholesaler, operates in 30 countries um, with a store network of a total of over 600 stores in 21 countries. And uh, Metro is also actually building um, one of the largest online marketplaces, which is called Metro Markets, which focuses then particularly on professional equipment that you need in the hospitality space. There's also Metro's uh, digital initiatives. I found, for example, really interesting one, uh, which is called Dish, um, where you already have over 250,000 restaurant uh, businesses in over 16 countries. Um, it's a subsidiary of uh, the Metro uh, Hospitality Digital Unit. I think that's also an interesting space, obviously, that these large corporates um, like Metro are really moving more and more into um, software-enabled solutions for clients, um, which we maybe will not talk about in a, in a minute. And then, of course, Metro Financial Services uh, combines innovative financial solutions that are specifically tailored to your core target group, which are hospitality businesses. Um, and uh, overall, Metro has relationships with around 17 million customers worldwide, which in itself is obviously a really huge opportunity to branch out into these additional digital, digital solutions, but also financial services. Um, yeah, really long monologue now from my side, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see that these um, any any corporate obviously that has these pre-existing relationships with these large segments international um, is is looking at this as an opportunity to do more than what you have been doing in the past decades on like your core business so can you explain in like your own words um, the mission and purpose behind this new unit which you're leading now as as a separate financial services focused unit yeah so as you mentioned already um, and and you hit the nail uh, on the head already um, is that 
we have so many, um, we're present in so many countries and we have so many um, long lasting uh, relationships with so many million customers. And um, the idea um, of Metro or Metro strategy um, launching those new ventures that you mentioned, Metro Markets or HD, um, is really to, to leverage those existing um, customer relationships, um, mainly with the purpose um, either to increase loyalty and create some positive spillover effects towards our core business. So at the end, um, with the aim to generate more revenue in our core business, but also to um, generate new revenue lines, um, which might become more and more relevant in the future. Um, because you, what you can see when you look at a typical restaurant or in, I think it's across the hospitality sector, customer demands change, right? With technology changing, um, you have to be more present online. Um, customers expect more from you, maybe like a, like a um, digital ordering system or the ability to order or reserve a table online. Um, so um, we acknowledge this and obviously try to create solutions for existing customers who have these needs um, since we are such a, a well-known and trusted brand in that space. So um, long story short, it's really generating new revenue lines and creating positive spillover effects for, for our core business. And um, coming now to to, to Metro Financial Services, um, we ac we're actually doing exactly that. So by offering financial services, we, we opened up a new uh, revenue line for Metro by monetizing um, financial our financial product, um, uh, our, our credit product, but also um, uh, the payment product. And um, what we've done is we've created also a specific um, or sector specific product for the hospitality sector as you mentioned um, which in my opinion is quite underbanked and was lacking a little bit attention also from many many fintechs so that contributes um, to metro's brand building and and our purpose to serve this uh, customer group beyond um, providing them with groceries um, and on on top of that um, and I think there is financial services a, 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 a really nice tool. You learn more about customer, customer behavior. Um, so uh, the data that financial services generate can also be used in our core business, um, for example, to uh, create more tailored offerings uh, for, for individual customers. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, it's all super reasonable. And I'm really curious to deep dive a little bit more into um, the first products that the products that you launched um, with Metro Financial Services. If we take a step back and zoom out a little bit before we go into uh, what exactly you've been building there, um, I, I think there's been definitely a journey if you look back that you first had these analog banking um, business models with like your personal advisor and you go to the bank branch and they will uh, take care of you. That has been all moved online, obviously, with uh, also then um, the rise of uh, neobanks like Number 26 and, and Revolut. Um, it's also interesting that you mentioned this, uh, that neobanks have maybe not too much focused on, let's say, traditional industries like SMEs and hospitality sector, which is totally true. I, I remember when I was at Holvi, which was one of the first European digital banks for SMEs, uh, we always had the struggle to actually really serve these, let's say, more offline businesses, because everyone can, of course, easily serve uh, 
let's say digital or online service sellers with a digital business bank. But once you move into the offline world, it has been actually um, required a, a different product direction, which I think many fintechs didn't take yet. So I, I fully understand that there's a, a gap in the market. But then I think the next step, obviously, is um, is is to embed these products right into the um, into the tools or touch points on processes that these merchants already have, instead of let's say founding a new neo bank just for them. Um, how do you see this whole market evolving? Because I think it would be especially interesting with your own background. Do you think uh, embedded finance is more something like a trend that will go away at some point, or do you feel like that this actually has uh, an impact to shape the industry? I think that the um, the number of, of offerings in that space is, is obviously growing, um, and I think this is um, this is really nice to see um, that that it's not only or that it's, it's a continuous trend. But I think yeah. when you actually the trend towards embedded finance, embedded financial services is is quite old and. Um, when when you look at the market, I think who pioneered it really were the car manufacturers um, back in the days. Probably it was not called that way when they started their own uh, financial services entities and many have now bank licenses. And uh, I think I, I, I really like this example because um, when you look at it, you really see that um, uh, over time um, and when you look, for example, at Volkswagen, um, their financial services unit contributes to approximately 25% of the operating income. Um, so you see it's not somehow a trend. Uh, it, has been, uh, it has been around for a long, long time. And um, uh, those car manufacturers have proven that it can become a substantial, um, not only revenue, but profit um, component for non-financial institutions. So I think the proof point, um, does it make sense? Um, is it here to stay? Um, has been already uh, on, already given. I look at the space, I like to, to observe what Amazon is doing because they're quite close to us. So they're more in the B2C space, of course, but they're also a trading business. And um, when we did our research um, for Metro Financial Services, we closely looked at Amazon because what I, what I really like about it is that they really offer in their market space offerings um, not only for the end customer, so people who purchase there with the Amazon card, where you can collect points, pay with it. So it really um, helps to streamline the customer journey, um, but also for merchants to enable them to sell more um, on the platform um, at Amazon by providing them with credit. And and then you see that financial services can really be a used, um, can be used as a is as an accelerator for for the core business uh, so that's that's always uh, interesting to watch what those guys are doing yeah for sure um i, I fully agree i think in the past of course it um it it was possible to launch your own financial services but i think in your example many as you said many have actually own banking licenses which is of course a huge uh, commitment uh, to go for that but in, especially of course if, if you're selling cars uh, there's definitely a business case uh, behind that um, and i think what's interesting now of course is that there are some elements and pieces that just recently kind of came together with for example uh, um, cloud-based banking models and and apis that allow you to actually um, um, build a bank but just offer that as an infrastructure for others that that can then use that without having that um, either infrastructure but also even on the licensing part um, to to go through that whole process yourself so i think it kind of makes it easier now than it was like 10 years ago to 
go into that space. Um, and also to your point on the data, I think that's a super interesting part actually of that too, that um, what I at least, where I draw the line between now this new wave of embedded finance is that you really use this data um, to improve the either that financial product itself or, or your core business because this data play, I think is super important there. I think you mentioned a couple of interesting points because I mean, due to changes in regulation and also technology, it became much cheaper to enter enter the space. Um, so even um, if you're not such a big uh, corporate like Volkswagen or the other players, um, it really allows you to offer a commercial viable product um, to a specific niche, a niche market, which maybe before wasn't economically yeah. viable. Um, so I think it became much, much cheaper and became much easier for also smaller players, maybe who don't have the experience or the background to, to give it a go and see if it works out for them um, without having the, the, the burden financially uh, also from a regulatory perspective uh, yeah. to, to apply for a banking license. So I think banking as a service, PSD2, just to, to, to name a couple of uh, buzzwords here, really democratized yeah. um, the, the sector. Uh, and yeah. at the end, it's good for the customer because um, in our example, is it, it's uh, it's the hospitality sector, but obviously in other cases it can become uh, or it can be a different sector. Uh, it allows to really tailor specific solutions um, for 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 those maybe smaller segments, which otherwise would have um, been left behind. Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, do you see actually also we will of course cover um, your products that you launched and uh, maybe it will launch in the future in a second. But do you see these embedded offerings more as on the side to what traditional banks offer anyways? Because I guess also your, in your case, but also in other cases, um, when companies off offer these uh, embedded financial solutions, um, I assume many of their clients already have existing banking relationships. Do you see that more as um, something on the side, which then is more tailored than the, let's say, plain vanilla banking products that they get and maybe have been underserved with that? Or um, do you think it's more like even a threat to the traditional banks? Because that has often been like, came up as a question if, if these um, really large corporates and in the future, as you said, also large, smaller players can offer um, these embedded financial solutions. Um, why do you need these huge universal banks, which have like, by definition, not tailored products? Um, how do you see that evolving? Um, I think at the end it will be some some kind of a coexistence because I think I don't see really the case where where banks uh, or those universal banks disappear because they also cover maybe certain areas where maybe fintechs will not provide a a, a good offering. Um, so when you took our when you take our example, will not offer a life insurance, for example, right? Or maybe a a, a house a loan for for for, for a house. Um, so we we focus really on on those services which um, which make sense in the interaction between us and the customer, and this will never be by definition all um, all required financial services. So I think there's still. A lot of um, room and playground for 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 the existing ba uh, banks. On the other hand, certain um, services will, I think, definitely be more and more covered by by non-financial um, institutions, because um, 
uh, as you mentioned, it's easier uh, for them to um, integrate them in the customer journey. Uh, I mean, we see that a lot yeah. now with buy now, pay later, for example, because the primary need um, of a customer is always a service or a product and, and not really money, right? No, no one <laughs> really needs money. You just need money um, to buy something. And so by definition, the first touch point usually is some kind of a merchant. And so I think everything which um, is closely related with a purchase of, of a service of a product will most likely move towards um, those non-financial players. And there also banks will play a role because they will provide the infrastructure to enable non-financial institutions to offer this, the, these, uh, these services. So I think the roles, uh, the roles will, will change a little bit, but both will, will coexist in some way. Yeah, yeah, no, that also totally makes sense. And uh, also to uh, connect to that, the product that you launched uh, through Metro Financial Services, the first one um, that uh, you can also, uh, the listeners can check out on the um, on your landing pages is uh, the Metro FS uh, spend card. So a, um, yeah, um, an own uh, um, card, which is, I think, functionally more like a debit card because it's directly connected to the merchant's existing bank account. And I think there you already have the bridge to the existing financial services. Um, I'd be curious to Correct. understand um, how you ended up with that um, decision, because I think in hindsight, it totally makes sense, obviously, that why um, you connect a card to an existing, uh, let's say, infrastructure that's already there, that people already have, instead of opening up new accounts and just, for example, set up everything from scratch. Um, yeah, can you can you maybe um, give some insights there how you approach this in, in terms of um, finding what's the right first product for that um, financial services unit to launch? Um, because I think that's that's also what, what many large companies would then when they start these projects, they typically first need to decide: do we start with like a lending pain point, or do we start with like um, 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 you know um, more standard products uh, to just get that customer relationship uh, and then go move out into other products? How did you? Um, think about this when you start. Mm -hmm. you know, so obviously, it pretty much depends on you know your specific sector and what pain points your customers have in that sector. In, in our specific case, when we had the first idea about um, entering financial services, uh, we had actually a pretty much different idea. We were like um, thinking about a neo bank for for the hospitality sector, so offering a full fledged bank account and. So what, what you saw mainly in the, in the, in the fintechs um, that used banking as a service, like the first wave were, were pretty much um, SME um, uh, banking uh, offerings. And, and that was also our idea. But then reality hit us and then we started to visit some customers. And after only a few interviews, we realized that at least in, in our sector, people are so, so tight, their existing banking partner, that they're not really willing to switch. Um, so the appetite for switching even to, to a brand which is well known to them, to Metro, and I think there we already would have an advantage towards newcomers in the market. So if, if a not uh, even startup with, with not a well-known brand name would, would, have, uh, would have entered the market, uh, would have even been, been tougher. So we had an advantage, but even um, with that name, people were not keen um, to, uh, to switch. And there was another reason and that people said, hey, um, what about uh, all the cash that I've generated in my core business? So, you know, where do I get change from? Do you have like 
possibility to dispose uh, the physical coins uh, and bills. Um, and then we, we realized, well, we will never be able to compete with the value proposition of traditional banks like Sparkasse and Volksbank, where, where most of our customers have their accounts. So um, that forced us to, to change our product hypothesis. And then from, from this idea, from replacing an existing banking relationship, um, we moved to, hey, let's build a complementary product. And um, we realized, although people didn't want to change their bank account, they were pretty much interested in the, in the uh, product features that we had in mind. So we had an extensive cashback program where people get up to 1% cashback on, on their purchases. Um, a post-transaction by now pay later product and, and employee cards. And people were really keen about that because those traditional banks didn't offer it. Um, so we gave it a thought and, and tried to structure the product in a way that it can be used uh, complementary to, to the existing banking relationship. And um, that's why we came up with the decoupled card, which connects directly to your existing bank account, ultimately debits all amounts uh, from your existing bank account. Since all our features are um, connected to our card and our application, people can conveniently use them, but um, don't have the hustle of, uh, of changing. And, and I think that was a really winning, winning step for us, which makes it also very easy to convince people to enter into the product because they don't have to do much and don't have to change a lot. Um, we, we always like the claim that we bring fintech, modern, innovative finance features into traditional banking. We didn't invite anything, we, we didn't invent anything new. Um, most of the features you could, um, they were already available in the market, especially with, you know, um, fintechs uh, like Penta, Contest, N26. But they also never went into the hospitality space and all, all the hospitality customers would have the same issues that those players, they don't have physical branches where they can dispose their, their, their physical cash. Um, and so there was some kind of a sweet spot um, for us between um, the traditional market and, and the neobanks. Yeah, no, fully, fully agree with that. And that was also one of the major reasons why we uh, did not could not serve that segment well uh, because exactly those reasons that you have these very unique needs when especially about cash uh, management for example that's um, um, the physical cash that was one of the barriers for sure um, and yeah I, I actually recently saw on LinkedIn you posted you have like 10,000 uh, customers for that product already so I think that's already a huge validation even though there are some uh, similar or let's say more generic uh, features that might be similar on the surface, but once you really focus on that specific segment um, and you have the existing brand, you, they trust you, they already transact with Metro on a probably daily or weekly basis because of uh, it's part of their um, business, um, then then I think that has already a super strong distribution channel for these uh, specific products. And um, so basically what, you, what you, your main proposition to your customers is that they can get this card, um, they earn cash back on payments Right or is this uh, correct? Um, because yeah. that's uh, well, yeah, yeah, and and that's um and that's in that sense you still leave it open if they spend it on anywhere, right? It's not just um, like cashback only for Metro or something like that because that's what I've seen in other um, propositions that you restrict it to a certain provider. Um, I guess both approaches have pros and cons. How did you decide to go for it? I think in your case it's open, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's open, so you, you earn cash back on every purchase with that card, so independent if you buy something at Metro or um, at any other store. And you can also use it 
uh, very flexibly um, for also all purchases inside and, and outside of Metro. We decided to go for that because um, from a customer perspective, we thought that's, that's the, the, the superior value proposition. And uh, when we structured a product, we had um, really the, the, the customer in mind first because um, we didn't want to fall into the trap that we um, try to optimize the product to more to, too much from a metro perspective and then miss yep. um, the product market fit. We went rather to the other extreme and said, hey, what's in, in, every, in every aspect, what's best for the customer? At some point when the customer wins and 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 i think you know 10,000 customers um is, is some kind of a proof point that it works we can start also to integrate maybe more metro relevant features um but that at least we know we have a functional product that is um that customers like to use yeah, i think it always sounds so like stupid almost that you, it's of course all about the customer especially in embedded finance but these like small details that um, in, 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 let's say, technological or technologically, you could really come up with the most amazing concepts, but then that's like still isolated from your own perspective on like what's technically possible and what you would like to see as a nice customer experience. But once you go out there and really um, observe customers, how they um, interact with financial products, what touch points they really use, um, it's most often actually, even if they're frustrated, the uh, existing habits and processes that are so strong that it, there would need to be a huge, huge uh, movement needed to really make them switch to a totally different system or a different provider. And, uh, and I've seen this so many times in banking, especially that it's um, the existing mindsets, even in habits of doing something one way, um, that it's super hard to really um, make them switch to, uh, even if it's on your perspective, a better solution or cheaper or whatever. Uh, it's, it's one of the most critical barriers to break through that um, your existing customer behavior is not that easily changed, obviously, especially in a B2B context. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's really smart. And I've seen this actually also on the B2C side in some cases that you just connected to existing infrastructure in this kind of, let's say, open banking mindset that you have existing yeah. accounts or payments products and just try to work around them instead of making the customer switch. Um, and yeah, so I think that's, that's totally clear. And one, uh, one, um, additional question I have around this whole, let's say project is how, um, do you ensure that as a corporate, I think you can see many successful cases, like you mentioned with uh, um, uh, the financial services units of large car brands and so on. Um, but how do you take the first steps there and what do you think are the like the key elements to be in place to really get the commitment to get this done? Um, because I, I feel like there are many um, maybe employees that find this very interesting, but I, for example, one point I think would might be critical is really the top management commitment to something like this because it's... Uh, it is a commitment to really go into embedded financial services. Um, what would you like? What are your insights there? Maybe on um, getting something like this started. What kind of proof points did you need? Or mm -hmm. yeah, I think you mentioned already one. Obviously, if you don't have the buy-in from the top, um, it will be very difficult to launch um, anything. <laughs> Not only financial services, but any any venture in in a in a in a big corporate. Usually. Uh, when you look at corporates, they're pretty. They, they're good in optimizing the existing processes, but not come up with something with something new. So commitment from top is definitely necessary. Um, I think, from my perspective, the other three key success factors for us were 
um, a dedicated um, in-house team um, with a entrepreneurial spirit. Um, we had a lot of freedom um, from, from the top, so we could really in the early days um, try things out. Um, I think if you don't have um, a team um, in-house, um, ideally with a little bit financial background, I think it will be very tough to launch anything um, if you completely rely on external resources. Um, so team uh, is key. How many have you been in the initial stage? Um, three people. Been three people. Then we started relatively lean with onboarding some freelancers and then um, we validated the business case, um, started to talk to first um, partners and then when we had a really final case with like everything set up we started to hire then uh, more people on the tech side and product management, um, customer support and so on. So we have like about 20 people at the moment. Um, but we started with three. Um, but it was a very dedicated team, um, definitely uh, not a walk in the park. And uh, if you expect a nine to five job, then uh, probably it's not something for you. But again, as I said, it's very rewarding at the end if it works out. And maybe even if it doesn't work out, uh, you've learned a lot. Then go out and visit your customers, as I said, because you will not reinvent the financial services world. I think the key to success um, is here really to identify a very specific pain point um, in, in this specific sector. As I described for us, it was really, first of all, uh, okay, we don't want to change the banking relationship. So that, that was clearly then um, the vote for the decoupled card and people were lacking certain features. That's definitely um, a good reality check. Don't, don't um, try to develop something in your ivory tower. And I think in the, in the long run or mid to long run, you definitely need a reliable banking partner. You have to keep in mind that you launch um, something in addition to um, an existing business relationship. So the quality of the product that your partner um, delivers needs to be good otherwise you 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 have the potential risk that by launching something which is more like a beta product you damage your existing um, relationship and then it fires back launching launching new ventures yeah. so i guess these are my three three top key success factors so team visiting customers um, reliable banking partner on top of um, what you've said um, buying from the top um, and one challenge I would not underestimate, and I think there we could have done better, is bringing um, the entire organization um, uh, on, on to the journey. So um, what do I mean by that is most of the people or, or like sales rep or, or some people that already have contact with, with, with customers in your, in your running business, in your core business, they will be your biggest ambassadors for the product because they already meet customers on a regular basis. So um, convincing them that it's something useful and good for the customers, I think that's definitely which will help your success. So you don't don't sell the product only to your customers, but also um, sell the product internally and, and do some lobbying there. Yeah, yeah, cool, fully agree. Um, I think one, uh, just uh, to double down on one point that you mentioned, which is the banking providers. Uh, um, now I think in, the, in that FinTech bubble, um, sometimes it actually happens that it's already confusing to really understand um, this whole spectrum of um, embedded finance. 
uh, providers that are enabling this banking as a service product um, from you know companies that are bringing a license versus others that just are provide the tech and then sometimes you need to find yourself a licensing partner um, and all in that spectrum everything you can almost imagine in between um, how, uh, how did you approach this? Did you just do that market research yourself and um, try to find, especially after you maybe decided your use case, to find someone that would uh, be an enabler for that? Or um, would, would you, do you agree that it might take uh, some time really to um, properly find that? Yeah, so when we started with uh, and, and when the first ideas came up, the, the market was not as developed as it is today. So uh, it's amazing what happened over the last um, two, two and a half years. So when, when, when we started, I think Wirecard was still around. Um, so uh, the market space was really, <laughs> really uh, not, not that big. Um, so it was not so difficult for us um, to screen the market. Um, so the offerings were quite limited. Um, and we did it ourselves. Um, so as an internal team, um, we didn't have any any external support there. We worked together a little bit with um, with Mastercard um, because um, um, they 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 are the card scheme that that we are using. Um, but from today's perspective, if I would have to start the journey again, maybe what what are the like key criteria? Um, one is uh, I mentioned already. Um, you need to have um, a reliable banking partner that is able to help you to establish a high quality product because again you offer it to existing clients um, you you risk to damage your 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 brand reputation that's maybe different when you launch a no-name startup you know maybe you rebrand but it's hard to rebrand uh, a corporate like metro uh, so uh, you you have to be sure quality is good um, then you need to ensure that because usually you bring a lot of customers at the same time um, to the table that maybe like when you deal with a smaller company they are able to cope with that maybe even if you think about lending do they have enough lines um, to provide enough sufficient resources to to uh, provide um, the credit lines that that you actually need geographic coverage is definitely a topic when your core business is more is, is present in more than one country because you most likely want to scale and expand into other geographies that you're already present and I think financial stability is also a big point. Over the last two years, I've seen so many um, startups coming and going. When you, as a corporate, when you start something, you probably do it for like mid, mid to long term. Um, or you have a mid to long term perspective. So you want to avoid that this cool product that you've just launched, you can't offer it anymore in, in half a year because um, your partner is bust. Yeah? Um, and that brings you a little bit into a dilemma because um, most innovative new solutions come from like from the startup world um, and um, they not always fulfill the criteria that I mentioned. Uh, so it's a little bit um, at the end you will have to sacrifice somewhere and you have to then a little bit balance uh, and see um, with whom you partner. But um, yeah, it would be my, my top four. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. And uh, looking uh, into the future, so um, we now have this uh, Metro Card product that you just mentioned uh, as like something that lives next to uh, your client's existing bank account. Um, any, is there anything you, you can share on like uh, where you see this going into the future or um, do you want to keep that open for now? No, no, um, I can happy to share. So we not focus that much on, on um, new product features at the moment. Um, 
So um, the first goal for us is uh, or was to prove that um, we create a product that people want and would like to use. We have not that we have not spent that much time um, and effort in actually integrating the product into the Metro customer journey. Um, the reason was um, that we didn't want to spend time on integration and then find out it's not working. Um, so now we have the proof point and we'll focus over the next six to 12 months to see how can we reintegrate it into the Metro ecosystem. That means um, have a better and embedded better under the spirit of embedded finance in the customer journey, either online or in the store. So make it easier to use it um, uh, at the point of sale or in our online journey and connect it stronger with existing um, products that uh, already exist in the metro metro world. So we already offer like a credit for delivery customers. So we really want to bring all financial services into one um, into one application, interlink them more, um, and make them more user friendly. So that's that's um, that's our um, that's our mission or our goal for the next months. So that. Yeah. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, so yeah, thanks uh, a lot that you uh, took the time to really share the story and uh, especially your um, like key learnings and success factors for launching something like this. Uh, I think it will be super interesting to see what else uh, will be coming out after you've uh, integrated into your journeys. I think there's actually a lot um, to take away here from uh, from other or for other corporates that uh, find themselves in a similar spot. Um, and I think it's always good to have these leading benchmarks and examples not only from like uh, i think in the past years it was always apple and as you mentioned like amazon or like shopify um that you uh, or even uber that were always mentioned as like embedded finance benchmarks but at some point you i think i guess everyone got tired of it so it's really interesting to see actually especially in germany um, um i think not only metro but also actually uh, some other larger corporates have recently launched uh, similar initiatives um, where they uh, are coming from a non-financial or purely financial background and actually extended their service offering into these um, yeah, additional value-added services for uh, yeah to make the financial lives easier of the of their customers. So um, yeah, that will be interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll for sure be following uh, what uh, how that develops for Metro FS. Um, for anyone that is interested to check it out, uh, you can uh, see um, what Michael has, has launched at metro-fs.com. And um, yeah, thanks a lot, Michael, for joining. Thanks a lot. And thanks for the opportunity to, to share our journey. And uh, if anyone is interested, uh, always get in touch. Happy to share some learnings. Awesome. Thanks a lot. See you thanks, soon. Thanks. Bye.